Hello, and welcome to Menage a Moi, season 10, a podcast about women who do themselves. I'm your host, Chelsea Beck. Today, I am talking with Amy, and other times on the show, we've talked about people blowing up their lives. A a guest I had in the first season named Nicole totally changed her life, starting with who she had sex with, and then kind of everything else followed. And it turned out to be a good thing. Well, my guest today is just at the tail end of getting a divorce. She moved out of her house and has really changed many big, big things in her life. She still has two kids. She still has her own business. And she's super busy. Um, But the thing that she does that I have great admiration for is that she keeps her sex life, including her masturbation life, a priority. And she does it almost every day, which I think is pretty impressive. She's kind of a type A person, type A masturbator. But why I hesitate to call her type A is that she is really good at letting go as well. She can laugh at herself and she doesn't always have to be in control. Anyway, I found our conversation really enjoyable. She's a friend of mine. We do pinpoint a rule, which I think is helpful for everything in life, but also sex, sexual acts, interests, sexual interests, is the vegetable rule. You do everything at least three times. You try it at least three times. And if you still don't like it, then you don't have to do it. But give it a try. Here's Amy. See you on the other side. So thank you so much, Amy, for coming on Menage a Moi. I'm very happy to be here. I understand you are in the middle of separating, getting a divorce. Where where are you in the... Um, we are almost finished with mediation. So um, it's been about a year that we've been separated and it's going well. It's a, a new chapter, trying to see the positive side of, um, you know, blowing up a family. Um, but you guys yeah, have two kids. We have two kids and they are rolling with it, which is great. You know, sold the house, moved into a new place. Um, so that was way harder, I guess, emotionally than I thought it was going to be. It was definitely probably the most intense move, you know, life change that I've ever experienced. So being single again is less intimidating than moving houses. <laughs> being <laughs> being single again, I think, has just been a real um, like eye-opener because I never... I skipped the whole online dating. I went straight from relationship to relationship. I was a complete serial monogamist and I never really dated a lot. So it's kind of just this new terrain, whole new wide landscape. Um, And I have a young assistant who's been kind of shepherding me through this process, which is hilarious. So I'm taking cues from like a much younger woman. Um, All of my friends like are living vicariously through me, which is also fun. You know, I feed them information as 
really crazy, stupid things happen, um, as they will in uh, the dating world. But it's been fun. And it's been, again, it's just trying to not take everything so seriously and being more just kind of like free and flexible. It's not like I'm looking for the one or I'm looking for a husband. I'm just, you know, looking to have fun, relax, like not be super intense. So did you feel like you had to wake your vagina up from a deep slumber or did you and your <laughs> did you and your ex-husband have an active fulfilling sex life yeah we did actually we we really did have a um a very healthy sex life um so it was more of you know going on that first date again like what you know that awkward interaction of literally not going on a date for almost 20 years. That was way more terrifying than anything. You know, get drunk, don't get too drunk. Like, what's the balance there? Because you're totally nervous and you know it's going to be awkward. And especially with the online dating, it's like no one looks like their picture. So you don't know who you're looking for at the bar. Like, so it definitely felt that this tension, this awkwardness, this anxiety was more around just meeting people. What about your own relationship to your sexuality? Are you feeling like you're getting to know different things about yourself or how have you changed? How long were you married to your husband before? 14 years. 14 years. So yeah, I mean, having, having the ability to have sex with someone on a consistent basis, you get really used to not masturbating or not, you know, having that intimate kind of one-on-one with yourself. So you, I guess you get lazy, you expect it. So being satisfied kind of is easy. And then when you're alone, it is definitely another level of focus. Uh, When I moved into the, the new apartment, the first thing I had, the handyman installed was my shower head. So I was like, okay, I cannot be without the shower head. It is a component and it's very important. And did the handyman know? Do you, did I think you get all handy? I think all handymen <laughs> knows that they're if they're installing a water pick into a shower, uh, there's you know, it's it's a necessity. It's right. a tool of some kind. Um, so now being kind of a single mom and having both kids in a concentrated amount of time you still have to fit in yourself in the nooks and crannies of the day, which I think is the most interesting thing of this whole transition. It's like, okay, you aren't going to have consistent sex. So you have to have a routine of masturbation. You have to fit it into the larger routine of the kids and making lunches and taking them to school and all that other boring stuff. So I have had to kind of break up the masturbation into two parts. So there is the meditation, which I meditate in the morning. I try to. The kids are still kind of sleeping. Um, And so I have like this little eye pillow that I put on and I have these little river rocks that I hold and I meditate for a good, you know, 10 minutes and the kids will wake up or whatever. And then they see that the eye pillow is on my eyes. And so they're like, oh, mom's meditating. That's what my son calls it. And then that becomes the beginnings of the masturbation. 
the fantasy, the where am I, who am I with? So that's how it kind of begins. And then phase two is once I get the children to the breakfast table, get their cereal, you know, put out any, you know, fires of them fighting. Then I go to the shower. So that is part two of the masturbation round. So it's like I've prepped myself with the meditation and now I'm going into the shower. And, you know, again, it has to be like literally five minutes or they're going to kill each other, you know. So it's me screaming out of the shower while trying to brush my teeth, wash my hair and get off. That is so impressive. It's it's one of those very uh, focused efforts. It's not super hot or <laughs> romantic or anything, but it does make it so that I can do it almost every day. When the kids are with their father, do you give yourself a little more time or is that when you try and have partnered sex? Yes. I think when the when the kids are, you know, out of the house, then it's a much more like it's a it's a longer process for mm-hmm. sure but i still i'm still such an efficiency nut that i still try to kind of keep it hemmed in yeah, yeah. i don't go like crazy like st- st- you know stay in the shower for hours like no right yeah i'm more like okay but i think what it's what it's done is it's made me very mentally focused strangely enough so i know i immediately have my go to fantasy or I'm you know it's much more like instead of being like oh what am I gonna like the luxury of kind of trying to figure out what I'm gonna fantasize about it's like no here's a menu it's a prefix you know and there's like three things on this menu and it makes it much more um dialed in and focused yeah it sounds like post separation your sexual habits don't sound like they're it's not like you're like all of a sudden there's variety there's this there's that it's you're you're sticking to what works in a general way I guess for now and maybe that's just transitional like I'm not going and experimenting a lot and I think that also is component of motherhood I feel like certain risks are just not where I'm at right now. And I feel like the masturbation world, it's just so safe. And it's so there's a component of safety and reliability and comfort that I guess moms who have to take care of kids would gravitate to Mm -hmm. versus like, okay, I'm going to hit the bars every night and I'm going to like try to hook up. It's like, no, maybe I'll stay at home, do a little light porn watching and a little like erotica short stories and pour a glass of wine. And I think romancing myself has been a little bit more um, the direction. Did you have one of those pregnancies that was like raging hormones and like (sighs) masturbated all the time, had sex with your... I was a very good pregnant person. I had the perfect amount of hormones. It was just, it was great. It didn't have morning sickness, none of the, the like the negative side. And I was definitely hornier than I ever had been. But I, and I don't remember like the sex being different or more often because we just had a lot of sex. So I can't really remember if like we had more sex before or after, but I think that I was exploring my body more because it was just like doing going going nuts. Yeah. yeah, it was just like what? And also <laughs> this does that? 
Well, also there was a really interesting point. Like once we got to the place where we were about to give birth, I started doing hypnobirthing. And one of the things that they had us do as a couple was um, stretch the vagina. Oh, right. Yeah. So the walls. The perineum. Yeah, exactly. So that was a fun, you know. Yeah. I think there is just kind of this like, haha, this is kind of funny. Like, what are we doing? You know, and then it, you know, would have, it just turns into something not what you were planning. Right. <laughs> that whole period of time, because it was so new and the body is changing so much. And, and even like the partner, my partner was so like, wow, this is, he was really into it. And he was really into the fact that I was going to try to have natural birth, you know, and that we were going to do this hypnobirthing, which was kind of worked, kind of didn't. Um, but that, the exploration of the body from his perspective, I think was really like, he was really into it. Everything is shifting. I, I think that that is super hot for the partner because I think it's unexpected. That is a, w- the first time that I really kind of experienced body worship, like goddess worship, like worship the body. This is amazing. You're creating a life. Oh my gosh, this is the ultimate thing. And this person, I, I, I get the, like a, the close-up view of this happening. You know, I get to kind of dive deep into mm-hmm. all of the little body changes and the smells and postpartum what was your experience that was harsh yeah it was a big cliff the opposite of body worship it's the opposite <laughs> and also just my partner had to work a lot and I don't even know if it was postpartum like yes I definitely had like the mood swings and stuff like that it was more like an identity crisis I remember one of my friends said you know you're you didn't get a chance to mourn the loss of being a single woman, you know, of being a woman with no one relying on you. And I I remember very profoundly like thinking, I'll never be desirable again. My vagina will never be tight again. <laughs> like I will not want anything in there ever again. You That's know? all bullshit. Too, it is. It is. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, the body is is seriously, it's amazing. But I remember thinking like, this is the end. Like I was such a sexual person. I had such a great partnership sexually. And now there is not only just this needy animal creature crawling all over you, needing, you know, nourishment. I had no sexual drive at all. Right. Um, so you really do, you feel like completely like cast aside and it, and it wasn't just from my partner. I think it was also friends. Like I was one of the first of my friend group to have a kid. So there wasn't like this family of women kind of like ushering me in, like you're one of us now. It was like, like, uh, we want to go out to a bar. Can you come? Can you get a babysitter? And I'll be like, um, she's six weeks old. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that was just like the abandonment, really, ultimately, all the way around. Right. It's a really hard transition that I don't even know if there is a way to prepare for it. Maybe just talking about it more would be helpful. But the transition of like your body being this fun, pleasurable thing and then feeling like it becomes utilitarian in a whole new way. As a mom, you start getting more training, like that multitasking where you're like providing all these services for my children while at the same time getting myself off like in the quickest way I can. But when you first start begin to do that as a new mom, it feels like your wires are crossed in this way that just results in a feeling of helplessness, I think. 
when I first started breastfeeding, once I got over the initial pain of it all, I was like, this is great, you know? And you realize, oh, that's why there's all this pleasure around the nipples. It's like, so that you want to feed your baby. I was like, oh, wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Like the survival mechanism, it never hit me. And I, and I definitely got so much enjoyment out of breastfeeding that I kind of didn't feel like I needed to have sex mm-hmm. in a weird way. Like I was like, that's enough. I'm good with that. Yeah. Little nipple stimulation twice a day. Like it's all good. Some I've heard some women get really freaked out by that. That that oh, it feels yeah. Have I you never, heard that? Yeah. I mean, I I guess there's like a I could see why there would be shame around that. Um, but I don't know. I got over it real I mean, like because so much other stuff feels so bad. Right. You're like, can I, can I just have this one little pleasure? Just just this one thing. That's I I but I I think I'm a little different in that respect. I I don't feel a lot of guilt or shame around that sort of thing. Where do you get your shame free? I'm not going to feel guilty about taking pleasure in these in these things. <laughs> attitude. I you know I grew that's up. That's hard to develop. Yeah, I mean I grew up in a very conservative city, and I tried to leave leave Texas pretty soon after college, and it wasn't because. I didn't like Texas. I really did love Texas. I just, I think the open-mindedness that I was feeling, I wanted to find other like-minded people, like explore a little bit more. And I think that's probably when I first discovered my own body and my own sexuality and my own, that there was absolutely nothing but joy um, that could come from this body. Like, I think that's the whole point of the the form. And it didn't really come from my mom. My whole family, they're like these Texas beauty queens. And so the body, you know, making yourself look good, like appearance is a huge component and a huge like um, value in my family. So of course, when I like moved to San Francisco, it was like, I pierced my nose, like cut all my hair off, got a tattoo, like try to make myself not look as ugly as possible. I still thought I looked really cute. (laughs) But I remember coming home and my mom just being like, what the fuck did you do? You know? So it's not like I had this like great sense of self, you know, like self-worth. I think it was more like once I left Texas and just became my own person. And I met my ex really young. So I was like 26. And we really kind of grew up together. I think he was probably the first person who really helped me get like more okay with my sexuality and what I liked and pleasure and that there was no guilt, there was no shame. Like he was much more open than I was. And I think he was one of the first people that really ushered me into just the feminine and that there really is no shame of like, you know, we we did all sorts of crazy things in San Francisco as per what you do in San Francisco. It's mm-hmm. like you're going to like sex clubs and, you know, that we would go to the power exchange and, you know, things like that. And we were just being kids and really exploring like, what does that mean to do this in public with people watching, you know? So it, he definitely opened my entire world up with regards to like sexuality for sure. Is there stuff you still want to do like in terms of your own sexuality or like yeah. your sexual bucket list, I like to call it? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the the bucket list um, and it definitely, it's more of like people, like not specific people, but I'm like, <laughs> hmm, 
LAPD. That's got to be on the list. I don't know. Like, and I, not just role playing. Like <laughs> no, not just like not just like a hipster officer. in an LAPD like okay. cop outfit. There's so much to explore. Like I don't even know. And that's the whole. That's the interesting thing of like having a younger assistant to like guide me. And she's like, "Oh, there's this, and there's that, and have you thought about this?" And and uh, I, I was talking to a few friends the other day, and. She was like, well, you've never had sex with a woman, so you've got to try that. And I'm like, never even crossed my mind. It's never crossed your mind? No. And that's what's so weird. It's like, oh, I'm way more conventional than than I think I am. Um, and maybe that's just going back to Texas and going back to just that mindset. But I – and she was like, oh, well, you don't really know until you've actually had sex with a woman. So I was like, okay. And I hear you're supposed to do things at least three times before you decide you, you're not into it. Interesting. Yeah. Like that's the vegetable rule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I think the vegetable rule applies to like definitely sex and probably everything else in life too. Uh, that's just total, yeah, sage words of wisdom. Okay, well, that's I, – I will keep that in mind. But yes, that's definitely on the fuck it list, bucket list. It's – but yeah, it's definitely not so much like what I what I haven't tried sexually. It's more of like the things I haven't even thought of. Right. The unknown unknown. Right. You know, that's the part that I'm like, wow, there's just a whole brave new world out there and how to do it safely, how to do it in the little snips of time that I have for myself. It's kind of tragic that people that are in a relationship don't have the space to revisit these things or be like, oh, I never even thought about that. It seems like this sad thing to shut down your sexuality, which is like a really creative thing to experience over a lifetime. And so, I mean, are you excited that you get to do all of this stuff? Or you? I feel very lucky. I'm very excited. And, but I also think like the, my, the friends that, you know, are in solid, you know, marriages and everything like that. I, I mean, I'm very excited about the future and technology and I read a lot about sex dolls and VR. And I just think that they're in the next five years, there's going to be so much more opportunity for married couples or ma married people that want to explore other things like to do it in a way that is completely within the bounds of the marriage, but takes advantage of technology. And I mean, our minds are so powerful. And I think that yes, the body is plays a big part of that. But I think our minds are really where it's at. And doing my meditating, I've like discovered that I'm like, oh, I might not even have to get into the shower, you know, because it, it's just as fulfilling. Even if I have two snoring kids on either side of me and I'm meditating and fantasizing, it's still very rich. And so I still think that those friends that are living vicariously through me, like giving them stories, I think that there's just going to be tools out there in the future where married couples won't have to you know, step outside their, you know, their marriages or their, you know, promises to their spouses. Um, I think that there will be. And then, of course, there's always going to be these divorced women who talk and share their stories and, you know, don't hold back. And, you know, it's that is a really fun part is sharing like, you know, before you'd be like, oh, I'm not going to kiss and tell or, you know, it's all very, you know, secret and private. And and now I think it's like, I can't wait 
until I see my friends and tell them like what stupid thing I did or happened or I don't know. It's it is it's like this giddy feeling again. We all share various stories about our partners or the past, you know, about past lovers. And I think that if people can find a group that they can share those stories with, it's all fun. It's all humorous. It's all tragic. And I think it's come out of the fact that I'm in the process of divorce and, a, and, a, and other friends are also going through that process. Um, we're starting to talk about it a lot. You know, what does that mean to date? What does that mean to have sex with somebody that, you know, outside of like 20 years of knowing, you know, your, your partner. And that is super exciting and fun. Um, but it also allows these other women that are in the marriages to talk about other things that are going on with them sexually or in the past. Mm-hmm. So I do think it, it is something that should happen, needs to happen. I think it's going to start probably just with like, you know, in your living room with, you know, five close friends. But I think that people want to talk about it. It's the time and people are hungry for it. Mm-hmm. They want to hear these stories. I mean, you know, watching porn is kind of a drag. Um, but listening to a tape or, you know, listening to a podcast or um, reading erotica is so much more interesting, especially for women, I think. Have you always had a close group of girlfriends? No, no. It's just since motherhood. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So were you kind of a, like a guy's girl? Yeah, I was before? in like, yeah, I was always in a relationship, always had. It wasn't that I had like a lot of guy friends. I just didn't have like a lot of I would have like one or two good close girlfriends, but I was always with a man. I was mm-hmm. always in 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 a partnership with someone. I never had like a group of women like I have right now. That's special. It is. But it's it, it literally was because of children. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you feel so in need of contact with other women going through the same thing you're going through. Terrifying experiences and um, funny and and also just like, you know, the one child, the, the second child, that third child, getting back into your career, you know, all the life stages, going through a divorce, like finding out that, you know, finding things out about your parents or, you know, all these things that are like you're discovering as you're growing to have a core group of women that are going through the same thing or similar things is I don't think I would have made it this year completely in a in a good place without my core group of friends when you have a human being jettison out of your body (laughs) you're like anything's possible I can ask for anything and I think that's the 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 future the takeaway the the next phase is I I have no problem asking for things that I used to be very coy or shy or more like submissive and now I feel like I'm much more dominant and direct and and not in like a super aggressive way but definitely in more of a confident way um and and I'm much more humorous I'm much I laugh more and and I find that it's all very fun and joyful rather than I don't know like you're trying to game it out. Like there's no game. There's literally no chess move. There's no like um, strategy or anything. It's, it's way, it's really very freeing. Thanks so much, Amy. (laughs) Thank you. 
Make your shopping lists. Water pick shower head. Eye pillow. River stones. Amazing future sex doll. Check us out at menageamois.org. Music is by Annie Rossi. See you in two weeks. Bye.